HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Visit wholefoodsmarket.com or download the Whole Foods Market app to learn more and find the store nearest to you. I'm HRN's Communications Director, Kat Johnson, with a preview of the next episode of Meet and 3, our weekly food news roundup. We're fresh off our trip to Slow Food Nations in Denver, a festival that brought together advocates to discuss the future of food. And this week, we're bringing you a special episode inspired by the new Equity, Inclusion, and Justice Manifesto released by Slow Food USA. If we're going to solve food security, we need to say these people have a right to good, healthful food. But we have to do that in a way that kind of insulates this system from the vagaries of the market. Because when you're at a table with somebody, you recognize their humanity. And when somebody cooks for you and serves you food, in a way they're saying they care about your survival. How can we put things into our own hands and have the people of Puerto Rico gain real access to healthy local foods? Listen to Meet and 3 this week for our highlights from Slow Food Nations, available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to HRN Happy Hour. It's five o'clock somewhere, and somewhere is Bushwick. I'm Kat Johnson, and it's great to be back here at HRN Happy Hour. It's been a couple weeks, and I'm here with Katie Mosman-Wadler. Welcome! (laughs) (laughs) It's been a virtual couple weeks, because we did have some um, pre-recorded shows that aired, but it's been a while since we've been live, live in the studio between, like, 4th of July and everybody traveling everywhere. You just got back from some traveling. We're going to talk all about it. Yeah. I'm super excited. You just heard the um, teaser for the upcoming Meet and 3. We're going to bring you some interviews from Slow Food Nations. We'll talk about that in a minute. I want to introduce everyone else who's in the studio with us today. We've got Margaret Kelly. Hey, guys. We've got back in the studio, Jordan Werner Berry. Hey. Um, And our special guest today is Grace White. Hey, hey. Hi, Grace. Hi, Grace. Grace Grace is a craft beer enthusiast and writer. Is that your official title, Grace? I think that's my official title as a person. As a person. Yes. We'll get more into your official title in other aspects of your life. But for now, Grace is here and we're super excited. And we're going to jump into a few of our headlines. There we go. Heritage Radio Network on tour was at Slow Food Nations 2018. Interviews with Sarah Brito, Massimo Batura, Tara Rodriguez Basosa, Paolo De Croce, Carrie Balcom, Michael Hurwitz, Mitchell Davis, and many more. Many more. To name a few. Go to heritageradionetwork.org and look for On Tour to see all of our interviews. And on Tuesday, Feast Your Ears had an episode about Homaris Americanus. Um, about the popularity of lobster. Is that the Latin name for lobster? I, you know, I guess it must be. You have to listen to find out. <laughs> My eighth grade Latin <laughs> isn't coming through. <laughs> um, this week on Eat Your Words, Lillian Lee talks about her book, Number One Chinese Restaurant. And on Radio Cherry Bomb, Jen Pelka talks about how to raise money. I hear that's a very practical episode for someone who's opening a business, fundraising, Jen Pelk is like kind of a superwoman, if any, if you're not familiar with her. She uh, owns the Riddler in San Francisco and also uh, Magnum PR, which is a Jill of all trades. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think that was um, 
specifically targeted for like women raising money for women owned businesses, which was Dope. cool and exciting and Dope. excited to hear about that. <laughs> As Love a, it. Yeah. We got a couple ladies in the room tonight. <laughs> um, as usual. Um, well, one lady who is not here right now because she is hard at work uh, back in the office is our wonderful membership coordinator, Hannah Forden. And the reason she is working so hard right now is that we are in the last home stretch of our summer fundraising drive. And our goal is to raise $25,000. We've been doing really well so far, and we've had some fun um, kind of giving back milestones. If you've been following our email newsletter, um, Kat, do you want to tease what's, what our next milestone is? Yeah, and I'll just recap. They've been very fun so far. Uh, we've been saying that they're achievements that we unlocked. Um, we were able to give DJ Dave, David Tatashore, a glass of Lambrusco. Thanks to all of you out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then what else did we do? We most recently, oh, we got we got I ice cream for effect. Damon and Souther, and they were very appreciative on a very hot summer day. Um, and our, we gave you a little sneak peek into what it takes to make sumo stew. Uh, just ahead of the the most recent sumo stew event that uh, Michael Harlander Kell and Harry Rosenblum put together at Arrogance Wine. There's a video on our Facebook page. It's awesome, and you can like. You can literally learn how to make sumo stew from their video. So I would recommend it. Bookmark it for when it's cold outside. Also, stay tuned for next sumo stew coming up in September. The one on Tuesday was incredible. Yes. And our last one was that we were in Denver and we reached our milestone of $15,000. And we were able to send, we were able to afford some postcards. Um, (laughs) We've got, we got fun Denver postcards and wrote little notes and drew snails on them for our hosts because we were at slow food and their mascot is a snail. And therefore we sent snail mail. Oh my gosh. Get See it. How that works? So meta. <laughs> it was very fun. And my hand got very tired because we have a lot of hosts, but yeah. it was very worth it. Our next milestone. Wait, P- P- yes. P.S. Who doesn't love snail mail? And Hannah, I mean, Hannah taught me how to draw a Only a monster snail. could not love yeah. snail mail. <laughs> also, who does not love a good pun? Yes. yes. <laughs> Jordan loves puns. Jordan, Jordan's made of 50% puns. Fun thing. Jordan and I need to go into the punder dome. Yeah. Oh, my God. Can we do a pun-only episode of HRN Happy Hour? Food puns. It can be called the HRN Snappy Hour. Snappy Hour. <laughs> Snap, snap pee hour? Yes. <gasps> yes. Snap peas are coming into season two. <laughs> Fun fact. Like end of August. They're coming into peasin. Oh. oh. <laughs> We're spiraling out of control yeah. already. Um, spiraling like a little pea vine. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so cute. Will it ever stop? Oh my God. Spiralina out of control. <laughs> oh. It's a little slow. Uh. <laughs> um, we need to record the pun episode in like slow-mo and speed it up. I know. Um, anyway, so our next, our next, we have two milestones left in our summer drive. And this is very fun because it's, it's giving you, you know, a real tangible, if you are, if you needed a very tangible reason to give us money, we're, we're delivering. Our next milestone is that we're, we're giving, uh, Dave Arnold, who just opened up a new bar called Existing Conditions in the Greenwich Village. Um, we are giving him a bar warming gift. That's all I'll say. It's going to be incredible. So Donate, become a member, and see what we give. I'm Dave Arnold. Hey, Dave Arnold. That guy. It's going to be sort of an inception, like, It's going to be real weird, but so fitting. Um, And the gift will be alcohol tolerant. That's all I'll say. Is there a date? Is is it sort of an an official date? That's up to our listeners. We're getting closer to our goal. So any day now. Literally any day. Show me with your the help. Money. Yeah. <laughs> and generous donations, we will be able to give this gift that we are just dying to give <laughs> to Dave Arnold. It's just too perfect. So please help please. us make this a reality. And, our, and then our final yes. and ultimate super reach milestone. If we reach our goal of $25,000 by the end of July, July 31st, um, this is something we are really, really striving for. So, um, Kat, do you want to? present yes drum roll do we have a drum roll sound effect there we go no okay so our twenty-five thousand milestone <laughs> is that we are going to because this is all our milestones have been about giving something back so for our final one we want to give something back to an organization that we um 
really love in Brooklyn. Um, we're gonna our team is gonna donate a day of service to St. John's Bread and Life, and so please help us get that get that milestone because we really want to be able to contribute in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're excited. excited to take the team out of the office and yeah. um, spend it spend a day really giving back to another great nonprofit. Um, also. Their um, recently emeritus executive director, um, Tony Butler, is one of our board of directors members. And um, it's it's a great hunger relief organization that is also super innovative and cool. And you should just look them up and you'll see why we want to go there and contribute. So um, with that said, to reach these milestones, we really, really need your help. And um, you can make a gift of any size. Um, literally every single little dollar helps us get closer to reaching our goal at heritageradionetwork.org and just click on the beating heart to donate. Or heritageradionetwork.punk. Dot punk. It might not work, but Is you, that can, you can still try. <laughs> no, but we, we're going to buy it one day. <laughs> if, if we reach Actually, our, our stretch goal of $50,000, we can maybe buy heritageradionetwork.punk. <laughs> Dot punk. If somebody wants to make a dedicated contribution <laughs> Please buy to us help us, you could totally name. just like, yeah, you could go on GoDaddy right now. I'm not sure Go what Daddy. it goes for, um, but see if it's available. And if you wanted to buy it for us, that would be we'll super it. fun. We would totally accept it. It could be a GeoCities. It's fine. Just oh, like get, Does that exist anymore? Or no? Oh like GoDaddy. I'm having a flashback Sorry. to like a very Early multicolored, 2000s. like, yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! When everyone Stripes. had a Hotmail account, yes, yeah, some people and, still like, do. Tiled background images, yeah, blue and, mountain like, evites, lime green. Some of our hosts still have AOL accounts. <laughs> a lot of people have AOL accounts. You, you have, have to be, be over forty-two to have an AOL account. Is that feel, a rule? I feel like yeah. I don't know. I I still have several contacts at Hotmail. Yeah, I love those. Yeah, I love those. Earthspring definitely yeah. had oh, three. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. Netscape was Net- yeah. Netscape. I might, might still have Earth a MySpace Link. out there uh-huh. somewhere. Earthlink. Prodigy. I definitely have Prodigy. Maybe I still have a live journal. Did. Oh my God. <laughs> How did we get here? Uh, Wait, but right. nobody has talked about Smarter Child yet. How many conversations did we have with Smarter Child? I don't know I don't what that know is. What what that is. Child, yeah, this yeah. is like, is like I'm, too, I'm too old. Yeah. No, Jordan no, knows it, about it. It's an AOL bot for Instant Messenger that you would. Like add it as a oh, contact and you can yeah. chat with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, that's so weird and like what in the back of my brain. Probably, I was probably like, wow. was that 12? like early two thousands? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Very early. That's just about the creepiest yeah. thing I've ever heard. <laughs> what was it called? I wonder if it Smart, still exists. Smart, Smarter child. Smarter child. And it would like respond to you and have kind of a very stilted conversation. But it would, it would eventually smarter go child. in a loop, It's right? smarter than your actual child. Wow. <laughs> in some cases. Um, all right. Well, all right. that was weird. So anyway. <laughs> so well, we're back. We're back, guys. Um, Grace, thanks for joining us. And Grace, your outfit today is really cool because it's food themed. Your, tell us about your T-shirt. So brand. It's very food themed and very beer themed also. Yeah. For those of you that can't see it, uh, <laughs> paint us a I picture. don't even know how to describe this. Juicy brews. Juicy brews. Yeah. So I work for Hop Culture. We're an online beer magazine. Uh, we also host beer festivals around the country. Uh, we started with Juicy Brews, which basically brought together all of our favorite brewers um, with the actual brewers invited to the festival to pour the beer. And the idea was to focus on juicy beer. So hazy IPAs, and it's kind of morphed into basically whatever the brewer thinks is a juicy beer. Uh, We've had sours. We've had different fruited IPAs. Um, So this shirt here, it's a graphic by Sam Taylor. He's our designer. He works in the UK. And it's basically uh, (laughs) a pint glass with big googly eyes and then, like, an explosion of fruit coming out of it. So it's kind of like if you took a watermelon and smashed it on the ground and, like, little other fruits came out of that watermelon. <laughs> all the little fruit that, friends have googly eyes. Yeah, that, it's that would like, be the graphic. It's eyes like look like olives. Watermelon pink and, like, sort of yeah, like Yeah, maybe a, teal, or do you call that aquamarine? Yeah, aquamarine. And, like, olive green. Yeah, like, yeah. it's very colorful. I love it. Yeah. Should when paint a picture for our listeners? Yeah. <laughs> so vivid. When did Juicy Brew start? Yeah, so our first Juicy Brews Festival was in Pittsburgh. Um, so our, our founders, uh, Travis and Kenny, they founded the magazine in January 2017 uh, and then had this great idea to reinvent the beer festival experience, and that's where Juicy Brews came out of. Um, so it was in Pittsburgh, which is Kenny's hometown. Uh, we sold out in 10 seconds, and that's kind of when <laughs> Kenny and Travis were like, huh. We're they thought there something. was a glitch with the system, with the ticketing <laughs> system, and then they were like, no. We literally sold out all the tickets. They're like, we're on to something here. So. That's awesome. 
Um, so what are some of the other festivals that uh, you guys do now? Yeah, so the Juicy Brews is our main vein of festivals. And then the festival that I've been working on that I'm extremely excited about is called Beers Without Beards. Uh, it's a week-long celebration of women in craft beer. So uh, there will be a festival with uh, 23 breweries that have um, either female brewers, brewery owners, or women working in other parts of the brewery organization that will be pouring their beer. And then... We just didn't think that one tasting festival was enough time to really dedicate to this topic, and so we expanded it into a whole week-long festival. Uh, there'll be industry panels, uh, beer dinners. Um, we're doing a really cool beer dinner with uh, in sponsorship with Stone at Ivan Ramen. Um, we have five um, industry veterans from the president of the Pink Boots Society to Ellie McRae. She's the first female black gay brewery owner in the country, um, and a few more that are going to be there. You get a ramen dinner, you get a uh, beer from Stone, uh, and you get a great discussion. Um, yeah, there's going to be beer trivia with the Bearded Ladies, beer and yoga with Beer Fit Club. We're doing a beer tasting workshop at St. Gambrinus Beer Shop with Anne Becerra. She's the first female certified Cicerone in New York. Um, I could just keep talking if you want me <laughs> yeah. to keep rambling. So we should basically take that week off of work is what you're saying. I know. Well, and do all that. You can go to work in the morning and through the in, through the afternoon. We planned all the events at night. So awesome. this is kind of like something to look forward to and get you through the week and just like get you all jazzed for, you know, the actual tasting festival at the well on Saturday. What do are, you have any tickets that get you into like, is there an all access mm. VIP ticket level? There is like not, but if you buy a ticket to every single event, I will become your best friend. Awesome. And Bonus. I think <laughs> I'm pretty comfortable to say that we would hook you up with some really great uh, Beers Without Beards swag, too. Just, Ooh. like, email me, grace at hopculture.com, and show me, I don't know, say, like, hey, I went to all the events. You, I heard you on the radio. Where's all my free stuff? You said. <laughs> you said. You said. You it's promised. On the, it's on the record. It's on the record. What are what I are the dates and, and, yeah. and dates and kind of is it all in Brooklyn or is it across? It's across the city. It's across the city. Uh, we have events in Brooklyn, Queens, uh, New York, or well Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, actually one panel that I forgot to mention that'll be in Manhattan. It's sponsored by the Smithsonian. Oh, uh, we invited Teresa McCullough. She's the first female brewing historian at the Smithsonian's National Museum of American History. She's going to be moderating that panel. Mm. Um, there's, again, going to be dinner, uh, beer from Strong Rope Brewery, and a great discussion about the role of women in beer history. So uh, the events start on Tuesday, August 7th, and they roll all the way through uh, Sunday, August 12th. So I kind of want to back up a bit, because we're talking all about beers without beards, but can you kind of talk about the genesis of this idea and where you were, what you were doing when you started this process? Yes, Mm. I would love to. And in order to talk about the genesis, I think we should all do a little experiment, if you will humor me. Okay. So close your eyes. Listeners, Uh, close your eyes too. Listeners, close your eyes too. We're watching you and we will know. (laughs) (laughs) And think about uh, the last beer that you had to drink. You know, maybe it was a Juicy Brew. Maybe it was an IPA. You might get nice uh, notes of grapefruit or tangerine. You know, think about the aroma. Maybe it was an Imperial Stout, so there's a nice aroma of coffee Mm. or chocolate. Now, think about the person that brewed that beer. What do they look like? I'm picturing Enya. Are they tall? Are they short? Are they big? Are they small? Are they blonde and blue-eyed? Most importantly, did you envision a man with a beard? Or did you envision a woman? So that's kind of where the genesis for this craft beer festival came out of. Uh, We really thought that um, Juicy Brews is a great platform as a beer festival, and we just wanted to use that platform for social change, some type of way to change social social perceptions. Uh, and that's kind of where the genesis for Beers Without Beards came from. Awesome. And I first saw you present about this idea at your research apps for the food studies program. So did, <laughs> we have an overwhelming majority of <laughs> NYU food studies alums in the room right now. Too. Yeah. So you, that they, they've true. all done this experiment with me before. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to say, every time you do it... <laughs> what? <laughs> Every time you have me do that, I, you still punk me. Like, I knew it was coming the first time. I'm like, yeah, Grace's Women in Beer Festival is so great. And then it was like some bearded hipster bro in a plaid shirt. Comes into your mind. Yeah. This yeah. is the first time we've done it with Enya I've, in the background. I've never, I've never done that, ex- that exercise before, but you're right. I totally, I'm, I'm 
unfortunately not a food studies person, but me either, Margaret. Yeah. It's okay. But not yet. Yeah. It's not, okay. No, not yet. <laughs> I know. Um, no, but I, I, that's, you're right. It really, I only think of men. Yeah. A guy with maybe a beard and like Jordan was saying, a plaid shirt or maybe a tattoo. Uh, totally yeah. has a plaid shirt. On. Like, like a, that's a, a sleeve. Definite. Yeah. yeah. Probably like overalls, if not a plaid shirt, but maybe both. <laughs> a plaid shirt. Maybe yeah. both. <laughs> So, uh, so you so, were you were doing the food studies program as you worked on this a little bit while also working with hawk culture. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit about you know how how you had to plan this while also keeping in mind you're also going to be presenting it as like for people who don't know about the food studies program it's kind of like presenting your thesis in a way. So what was like the two different kind of things you're keeping in mind? How did that? How did how is that different? Like how did that? influence the way you were planning this festival yeah I mean I think they gelled together really well I always wanted to when I came into the food studies program I kind of had like a mission to basically direct my studies towards beer Mm -hmm. just because I have a background in the beer industry Uh, and I think when hop culture when we came up with the idea for this festival it just seemed like a natural progression to also uh, broaden it into my thesis as well I have to say Grace, we met like right when you were starting the food studies program we did, yeah. and we had dinner and I was just so impressed by how focused you were coming into the program because like a lot of people, myself included, I went in having kind of no idea where I was going to end up on the other side. A lot of people are changing careers to come in and um, you were so clear about what you wanted to do and you stuck with it and it just like paid off in this enormous way of like it was, you know that was like the culmination of your entire um, kind of graduate degree at that presentation. And um, now you've like translated into work and it's super awesome and exciting. And uh, this isn't really a question. This is just sort of like (laughs) Grace fan club for a second, Um, but just wanted to say congratulations because it was so cool. And also you and Jordan presented on the same day and you had my favorite presentations of NYU That's true. That's true. Um, (laughs) No lie. But can you talk about like for, you know, what did it mean to sort of produce the festival in a way that was also like a tie in or tie out to your master's degree? Mm, That's a good question. That's like a loaded, that's a big question. Um, It's funny because Presenting and graduating from NYU was such a big uh, milestone. Um, but I almost feel like my real graduation will be once this festival takes place in mm-hmm. a couple of weeks because that was just like uh, the beginning of it. You know, tickets went on sale, and um, that was a great, like, that was a great accomplishment. But I felt like there was still unfinished business, you know, and I, I think I really haven't felt that things will be at their um, apex until, uh, I don't know, Sunday, August 12th at 11.59 p.m. or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah. I have to say, though, uh, I remember that dinner really well. And uh, it was just so great, too, because I, I emailed a couple of people to get coffee with them, you know, as like a first year in the program or whatnot. And I just remember you came in and you were just like smiling the whole time and you were just so lovely and nice. And just, you know, the, the community, the food studies community at NYU is great and extremely welcoming. So Aww. right back at you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and do you think that like the, did the classes that you took and did the curriculum in any way shape the programming for Beards Without Beards or is it shaping your writing at Hop Culture? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I think uh, definitely. I took a, a class. Um, it was the History of Beverages. I actually took it with Jordan. And uh, one of the pro- so it was taught by two professors, but one of the professors, Diana, she'll actually be on the panel, um, the role of, of woman in the history of beer. So um, I definitely think that the classes at NYU have kind of shaped some of the events that are going on at Beers Without Beards. And a lot has just been, uh, you know, kind of making it up as I go. <laughs> I'd love to ask uh, one question. How does agriculture fit into the festival? Are you are there any panels or discussions on women growing hops, or is it only is it only sort of focused on like our beer and domestically, or are you also sort of expanding it internationally too? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, we're focus- focusing on domestically like craft mm-hmm. beer in the U.S. right now. Um, you know, the goal of the festival or the mission is really to empower the roles of all women in craft beer. So that's 
you know, the brewers, the brewery owners working in different aspects of the business, whether you're out pounding the pavement, selling beer, whether you're doing marketing for beer, uh, whether you're writing about beer, podcasting about beer, uh, writing books about beer, you know, getting certified for your Cicerone. Um, we want, really want to include as many women as possible. I think the agriculture sector is one that we could definitely grow into, into the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, I don't have a panel that's focused on agriculture specifically, but it's a really good point that you bring up. There are women that are working, uh, like growing, you know, hops or barley or mm-hmm. malting, you know, are just as essential and crucial to this to this business as those that are brewing beer. I think that's, we hope to make this a yearly festival. Awesome. So I'm yeah. making a mental note actually yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of that to plan that as like a panel or a workshop for next year. Awesome. Yeah. I look forward to it. What's been the reaction of the women in beer who you've approached to be a part of the festival? Yeah, it's been great. Uh, I'll approach one person, like one brewer about asking them to come and participate. And it's almost like, you know, Medusa, you cut off her head and like eight other heads grow. Like <laughs> she'll give me, um, you know, eight other people that I should contact. And it's a really great feeling to know that there are, and some of the breweries I've never even heard of before, you know, so it's great to know that are, there are women out there working in the business that I'm not even aware of, you know, and, and I'm discovering them like as I plan this festival. So, and everyone's just been like really supportive and um, just eager and excited to get together with other women, I think, and, and talk and share beer. Did you run into any skepticism that there would be enough women mm. in this industry to put the festival together? Good question. Good question, but no. Because <laughs> like I said, everyone I talked to, they gave me names of all these other women that I should contact. So it's uh, that was not a, a, a challenge that we ran into. No. So do you think it's like, because everyone says like there aren't many women in beer, do you think that's not that true? So... If I were to throw some statistics at you, yeah. that might help solve this question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the Brewers Association recently came out with, you know, like their state of the beer um, in 2018 in June. And the statistics for women are growing. So it's about 31% uh, craft beer drinkers are women. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like 69% are men. And three years ago in 2015, when they last did this study, 29% were women. So we're ticking up, you know, we're... we're we're growing um, by a few percentage points. I think they said in the article um, that uh, f- there were 14.7 million new beer drinkers between 2015 and 2018, and 6.6 million were women, so that's almost half. So that's definitely a really positive and encouraging statistic, but obviously, you know, we want it to be 50-50. Yeah. You know, we want to keep encouraging and, and, and helping grow that space. Uh, in terms of brewery workers, it's a little... It gets a little bit murkier. Uh, there hasn't been an overarching huge study that's been done on the amount of women working in breweries. And I know that the Pink Boot Society, which is an organization that supports women that work in craft beer, has been working to create one of those. Um, a directory, essentially? Yeah, or? well, just like a, a, a bigger study um, okay. from the Brewers Association to kind of tackle... Uh, you know, kind of like boots on the ground and figure mm-hmm. out exactly how many me- how many women are working in breweries and what positions they have. Yeah. So, uh, Auburn University did a study. I think That's where I went to school. No way. Hey, they have they hey, have a new like brewers. Hey. They have a new brewers like certificate. They or do. Something. Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, wow. it's, it was like and there's a bunch of money. The founder of sorry, founder of Dale's Pale Ale, uh, Oscar yes, Blues. So good. He's an Auburn alum, so he's funded all oh. this like brewery brewery stuff. Oh, oh that's awesome. That really yeah. makes sense then that yeah. they they did a study, um, a smaller study on women working in the industry out of like I think it was 1,100 or 1,000 um, people, and they found that. Uh, 29% of brewery workers are female. Wow. And uh, one in 25 brewery owners are female. But again, it's a little bit smaller study, so sure. I think we're really hoping that at some point there'll be a bigger. I, I love this. Well, go awesome. So awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. I can't wait to go to some um, of these panels. Yeah. Well, uh, let's take a quick break. I want to ask you a few more specifics about the festival and specifically the, the event at the well. Um, And then we'll come back. We'll talk about that. And we'll play a little bit of trivia. Get you warmed up for beer trivia. And uh, and then we'll wrap things up. All right. Beer back. Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market. 
From papayas and samosas to reishi mushrooms, if it's something that sounds delicious, chances are you'll find the freshest, best version of it at Whole Foods Market. They have more than 400 stores across the country, so if you consider pizza its own food group or just can't imagine when avocado toast wasn't a thing, Whole Foods Market has you covered. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com to find a store near you. Whole Foods Market. Whatever makes you whole. Hi, I'm Moxie Rosenblum. My dad, Harry Rosenblum, hosts Feast Your Ears on Heritage Radio Network. Right now, HRN is having a summer membership drive. Becoming a member is so easy, and you'll help support shows like my dad's. You can sign up for a one-time donation or become a monthly sustaining member by visiting heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Let's keep food radio on the airwaves this summer. Welcome back to HR and Happy Hour. Margaret, was that the first time you've heard the Moxie well, membership I've, drop? Well, I've heard Moxie before, but this is the first time I've heard her read the, the promo for the fundraising. Isn't she for great? the fun drive. Her this, number one fundraiser. Don't you just feel your wallet getting lighter? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. I will give everything I own to, to that's just yes. so cute. Thanks to Moxie Rosenblum for recording that ad for us. We this really is also appreciate it. Probably a good Never time to talk up. about um, <laughs> if you're interested in planned giving to uh, Heritage Radio Network, like if you want to give us everything when you die, uh, you can just reach out info at Heritage Radio Network. Put us in your will. Just put it out there. <laughs> it's true. Just put it, it out there. Yeah. Wow. You never that, know. I didn't expect so on that. that positive note, that's great. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, very positive. <laughs> Uh, Grace. Okay, we're back with Grace Whites. She is um, a write beer, craft beer writer with Hop Culture, and is planning the inaugural Beer Without Beards Beer Festival taking place here in New York on the first week of August, first to second week, seventh so, through twelfth. Well, I believe August first is a Thursday or a Wednesday. So it's I guess a Wednesday. One of those tricky, the second week, tricky yep. weeks. The, the week and a half, first week and a half of August. There you go. Yeah. Um, and so you mentioned a few of the different events. There's going to be going on panels, beer yoga. Um, Ooh, trivia. beer yoga. Yeah. There's a ramen dinner at Ivan Ramen. ramen. Uh, beer trivia. Did you say that? Yeah. Right? History so of beer. History of beer panel sponsored by the Smithsonian at the mezzanine. Awesome. Yeah. So the is is the biggest event going to be the um, the taste round at the well? You got it. Yeah. Cool. The biggest event will be uh, the tasting festival on Saturday, August eleventh at the well. And tell our listeners where the well is located. What it is borough? In, yeah, it's in Brooklyn. Okay. Uh, not too far from here. Very actually. close. To Very here. close to here. Close to Bushwick. Yeah, they have a huge outdoor space. It's, it's going to awesome. be really nice. They have the requisite, you know, shipping containers at all. You know, like Roberta's. We only go to places that have containers. It's yeah. really where we feel at ease. We, we yeah. get very uncomfortable in large spaces. Yeah. yeah. Wait, are we in the shipping container? If we're not almost mobile, we have a problem. It's just, this is a tricked out shipping container. Yeah. It's yeah. like yeah. made to look like a Vermont cabin. So how many breweries will be represented? And you, and a big part of this, as you, I think with all your festivals, if I'm understanding, is that it's important to have the actual brewer there pouring the yeah. beer. Yeah. So yeah, there'll be um, 23 breweries that are coming. Um, if I could name all of them off the top of my head, I would give myself a gold star for the day. But I can give you guys some highlights. Uh, yeah. Or maybe some local, some local breweries. We're drinking actually an Interborough beer right now their saison so interborough is going to be there grim artisanal ales they just opened their tap room which is also here in brooklyn so they'll be there uh lineup brewing there's going to be um uh 21st amendment stone uh black star line brewing co black project spontaneous and wild ales they're out in, in denver three weavers uh Oh man, who else? Um, uh, Industrial Arts Equilibrium Brewery, also from New York. Um, yeah, I'm missing so many, but those are some of the highlights of the breweries that'll be there. Triple Crossing. Was Ale Apothecary one that's on the list? You know, Jordan, you're right. Ale Apothecary <laughs> was one on the list. I, Thank you. I remember that because I went when I was in Oregon, and it was the single most just like insane beer experience I've had in a really long time. They're a great one. I'm glad you reminded me of that. What do you mean? Can you describe this insane beer experience? (laughs) The weirdest part was I went in and I 
didn't really know where I was because it was all like 750 milliliter what looked like wine bottles with corks in them. Okay. And I was like, I thought this was a beer place. And they poured it and I was still confused as to what I was drinking <laughs> after she told me it was beer and like went through the whole, but it's all like wild fermented in the woods in Oregon. They use like Douglas fir tips instead yeah, of hops. Yeah, they specialize in those like 70, 750 milliliters and they're bringing those to, to Beers Without Beard. So yeah. Stacy will be there. She's one of the owners. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So you said that a lot of the brewery owners will actually be there. Um, 14 breweries that we have coming, um, are women owned. Uh, and yeah, cool. We're going to have some cool, um, besides beer. I mean, everyone will be there for the beer, but we'll (laughs) have, uh, we'll have food as well from stuffed. Uh, it's like a French toast food, food. Pop up, pop they up, put yeah. Ice thing. cream inside of yeah. carbs. Yeah, and woman owned as well, which awesome. is great. We're gonna have that a woman sounds DJ. Sounds like my ideal, like food piece uh-huh. of food. Yes, ice cream stuffed inside in a French toast. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. we'll have a uh, a woman barber that'll be there. So Ooh. if you feel like you drink beer and have a beard and would like to not have a beard anymore. You can get a free shave. <laughs> I was gonna ask. Uh, like there it was are tar- some it's women, a women barber. There are some barber women with who, who beards. Helps with beards. Yeah. Well, I, I think I she know. helps with hair Probably. too. Yeah. Or all hair. But yeah. She, yeah. And then she we're gonna. Well, that kind of leads to a question I have: Is do you anticipate <laughs> having a very different demographic at this beer festival than other beer festivals that how culture puts together? Uh, possibly, mm. but I, I don't really think so. I mean, mm. beers without beards is supposed to be for everyone. You know, we we want to open up the conversation with both men and women. So uh, we really want to make that clear. That this is not like a woman only event. This is mm. for men. This is for women. This is for everyone. It's just for um, everyone that enjoys drinking craft beer and and wants to support what women are doing in our in our industry. Love it. Um. Well, we're Grace. Brace yourself because. Beer trivia is coming. Oh, okay. um, but also, while we're talking about like NYU Food Studies and the amazing presentations that we had, um, I thought it would be cool for our listeners, Jordan, if you could talk a little bit about your research apps project as well, because it's also, it's not beer, but it's also themed around mm-hmm. drinking. And like I said, they were my favorites. So it's an amazing project, um, you guys. Yeah, for just, a treat. Uh, yes. Give everybody an update. It helped that we had the coolest presentation group because it was. <laughs> all the booze projects. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So yeah. it was like three quarters of the way through the day. It had been a really long day. There were like 34 presentations. Yeah. And then it was all of the booze projects lumped together. And oh, Grace funny. went right before me and she gave everyone beer, which I was really excited about because she <laughs> loosened everybody up, including me. And it was like right when I was starting to get nervous about <laughs> presenting to a room full of people. But um, my research in food studies was all about cider. So not beer, but sometimes beer adjacent and it's specifically about the language that we use to talk about cider so I similarly to Grace not quite as early knew that cider was going to be my my thing like food studies is choose your own adventure it you if you don't know a little bit about what you're going to do you're just going to feel really overwhelmed the whole time uh-huh <laughs> like Katie but then you end up being the executive director of a food radio nonprofit, so it's probably All fine <laughs> Uh, but I found cider pretty early in the program and then only looked at cider for every class that I was in. So it was, you know, food history about the landscape of apple trees in Vermont or, um, cider in Ireland when I took a class abroad. So all the way through that was kind of the general idea, but then I, I really wanted a data set. I just, I had a friend who... She's friends with Grace and I. She read 20,000 Yelp reviews, and I was, like, so impressed and so jealous that I was like, I need a data set. <laughs> and that's literally how it started. And so I went to um, went down to Wasail, may it rest in peace, and hung out with Dan Fucci and took a picture of every label that on uh, every cider bottle that they had in the entire store or restaurant. And it was, you know, maybe about 100. They had a pretty big library. And then I kept going, and I ended up with 500 cider labels from 35 states. Um, Cider's produced in 48 states in the U.S. right now, Uh, so I thought 35 was a pretty representative sample. And my question was basically, how are we talking about cider? I get a lot of people that ask, is it wine or is it beer? And my answer when I'm being snarky is, cider is cider, 
a few, but <laughs> the, <laughs> the language that we use to talk about it comes from both wine and from beer. So my data set just kind of shows the current state of all of the words that we're using to talk about cider. And my work going forward is helping the U.S. Association of Cider Makers with their lexicon project, because I'm not the only one that thinks that we need to be talking about language in cider. The um, industry's biggest trade association is doing the exact same thing. So, question. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of a lot of terminology in beverages can, by default, just like span like beer side, beer wine side, or anything. But are there is there a word or are there words that you think are unique to cider in when describing cider? There definitely are in process terms. So, I mean, making cider is a lot like making wine. You press fruit, you let it ferment, you get booze. That's like baseline simple. Um, There's a funny word called keeving that has to do with making cider, particularly um, French and English cider. Uh, That's a process of sweetening. So there are words like that that the cider industry really agrees what they mean. But there are words like dry, which is... Spoiler alert, the number one word in my data set by just like so much that it makes me really mad. um, If they're all dry, none of them are dry. Exactly. (laughs) Well, because there's no standardization for what that means. Mm -hmm. So you could have someone calling their, what their driest cider is dry, but it could have more residual sugar than the sweetest cider that someone else makes. So it's, it's fun to look at kind of the range of what's going on with cider. Um, There are producers that are hopping their ciders. Um, Graft makes really cool sour ciders that are based on kind of like what's going on in sour beer right now. And then there are kind of very wine style, what the industry calls heritage ciders that are like totally orchard based, made from cider specific apples. Um, And it's, yeah, cider's still like new enough in the U.S. in its resurgence that it's kind of the wild west, but... Yeah, um, Jordan made this really cool graphic for her presentation. So she did all this work with 500 cider labels, which, by the way, I'm wondering if you drink all of those 500 ciders, Not too. all of them. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. But she made this really cool graphic. It was an apple, and it basically had – it was like a word cloud, but it was shaped like an apple. And yeah. the words that had been used most on all the labels were bigger than the others, so you could really see mm. – like, it was just amazing that she took all this great data that she had worked so hard on and made it into this, like, easily – Sorry, digestible, digestible. <laughs> <laughs> graphic for us to see. <laughs> but it would be kind of interesting to see how the sort of the connection between your your focus and your focus, Grace and Jordan, like women, like how mm-hmm. how do women how are women involved in both the cider process and the brewing process with hops or barley or for beer and then for cider and how that, how they're connected. That would be kind of interesting to yeah. see. Cause you said something about like how some people are using hops to influence the taste of some of the ciders. Mm-hmm. So yeah. be kind of cool cider just that. copied beer or was inspired by them in creating a palm boot society, which is yeah. women no in way. cider. I so, know. Wow. Yeah, there That's was a panel awesome. at CiderCon last year um, put on by the founders, and there's a really fun Facebook group <clears throat> that I'm part of. And there's actually um, a woman I know who is a marketing director at a cidery in Virginia who's doing research about language used on social media for cider in terms of gender. Hmm. So she's like right there in the overlap of wow. all these things. That's cool. I see some great potential for maybe a collaborative festival. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. We haven't yes. done anything with cider and beer. So yeah. <laughs> we'll talk after. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know where you live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. I have one question that I kind of want to throw to both of you about cider and beer respectively. What do you think is going to be the next trend like it or not and then like what do you what do you want to see happen next in cider and or beer I think in cider right now people are really discovering the styles that they like so there's a huge rosé trend and that's one that's touchy in the cider industry because you can make rosé from red fleshed apples and it's really cool because it's just apples and it's very much in that like heritage cider line that I was talking about where you're farming the apples, you're, you know, doing the process once a year, you're pressing the fruit and making, like, almost a vintage vintage cider. You can also make rosé cider by adding hibiscus or a whole bunch of other stuff. Hmm. And they both happen, but there's no linguistic difference in the cider industry right now to distinguish those. So 
that trend's going on right now, um, and one that I wish, you know, could be clarified mm. is my diplomatic way of saying that. <laughs> Yeah, so it's interesting in beer, um, IPAs have been kind of at the forefront of the trends and different types of IPAs, like hazy IPAs that we have at Juicy Brews. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, sour IPAs, like milkshake IPAs, which have lactose, which give it a nice kind of like, usually lactose and fruit, so it's kind of like a really creamy quality. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really think that beer right now is going to go back to its roots and go back to lagers Mm -hmm. uh, and kind of swing the pendulum a little bit. You see a lot of breweries that are coming out with their own version of a light lager. So essentially like what Budweiser or Miller Lite are putting out there, but a craft spin on it. So, um, you know, here in New York, we have Five Burrows Brewing Co. They make Nick Ultra. Uh, Nick Griffin's the brewer. Uh, <laughs> and he, he loves to brew lagers. So that's this awesome. is kind of like an ode to him. It's like a 3%, um, I think it's 3 or 3.5% beer that's really light, easy to drink. Um, you can have multiple of them. Uh, in Boston, there's a... Uh, night shift they made night light so you're seeing a lot of resurgence of brewers going back to you know lagers are a little bit harder to make and they're a little bit they need a little bit more time and attention um but i think the mark of a really good brewery is you know if you make a really good lager so i I see that that's kind of where the um pendulum is swinging for for the future i'm glad to hear that to be honest (laughs) as someone who's like not gonna like throw back some ipas we're looking into the Roberta's dining room right now, and there's a heady topper on the table. Oh, I'm cracking up about this because I can't yesterday, see it from over here. I had some heady at the office that I had to bring home, and I so yesterday, I, not wanting to like attract a lot of attention, I put it in an IKEA bag. It's like a flat. By some heady, she means a whole case of heady. <laughs> what? And I had to bring it home on the train, and so I put it in an IKEA bag because I was like, I'm not gonna walk around Brooklyn yeah. with this. And so I'm sitting on the train, and I'm holding like all these bags of stuff and of course like the, the ikea bag like slipped open just like a little bit and it comes like the um what do you call it it's not a six-pack but like the four-pack plastic cap holder sticker together thing oh no was showing and i didn't notice because i was like on my phone and so the guy sitting next to me is like hey that's a lot of heady <laughs> and then like a guy Gross. like down on the other end of the seats at the other side of the train was like is that heady topper <laughs> no, and like we're coming up it was like between Lorimer and Bedford Avenue and I was like god and speaking of like Brooklyn these were not without beards these were like beardy you know Williamsburg guys beer and um, it was just like a whole thing so I'm I, I was just laughing about like yeah of course you can't like take it on the train and not like have cause a scene. And now I don't, I don't really know where these guys have it from on the table. I'm not sure if Roberto's is serving it right now, but uh. (laughs) I I would love to know grace about, um, women in beer who in New York city, like Manhattan, Queens, Brooklyn, the Bronx. I mean, are there any women owned breweries in the five borough, or Staten Island too. Yeah, like, we any- actually have a lot of women-owned breweries that are in yeah. New York. Um, we have some that are like just women-owned. Like they started the business, um, and they're the brewers, and they're really, really rocking it. Um, Katerina Martinez, she runs Lineup Brewing Co. Danny Oliver, she runs Island to Island Brewery. Those are two women that have really like built their businesses from the ground up, and are just like you know killing it in the New York beer scene. Um, and then we have women uh, that are. Um, you know, that have, like, co-owned um, and started breweries with partners um, that are coming to Beers Without Beards, too. So, like, Innerborough, um, Spirits and Ales. Um, Got to shout out Fifth Hammer. Yeah, Fifth Mary Hammer. Oh, yeah, about of it. course. Yes, Fifth oh, yeah, Hammer. Fifth I mean, Mary, Mary's awesome. Mary's amazing, and she's so involved in the home brewing community and the brewing community, and now she's working at Fifth Hammer full-time. Um, mm-hmm. They're hosting a panel on uh, women who are rewriting the business of beer through beer media. Um, so through like podcasting and, cool. um, you know, editing and writing and things like that. Um, there's a uh, grim, grim artisanal ales who just opened their tap room in Brooklyn. Um, who we also have to shout out the food in that tap room is Samisa by our yeah. very own Eli Sussman. So there's good, delicious, food delicious. There. When are we going? <laughs> good <laughs> question. Let's go tonight. <laughs> We also have a Mustache Brewing Co. They're out on Long Island. They're coming. Um, that's a, a woman-owned brewery as well. Um, Does Mustache count as without beer? <laughs> oh, man. I, yeah. I do have to ask you, where on Long Island? Do you know? Uh, it's, it's okay if the, you don't know. They're far. They're up. far out there. They're like way out east. Way out on the t- Yeah, closer to the, to the tip. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what the, okay. what the it's all good. town is. Um, who, else, who else am I missing? 
um, Five Boroughs Brewing Co. Anne's going to be there. She's in charge of their uh, events and promotions. Um, hey, it sounds like a lot. There, there are a I lot. Go meet. I really go meet all of them at the well. At the well this Yay. on Saturday, August eleventh. Yeah, if you're interested in tickets, I'm gonna do my shameless, or do it. selfless plug. But Absolutely. go to uh, www.hotculture.com backslash beardless. That'll take you to the whole list of events. You'll be able to see the panels that we talked about, like from the Smithsonian, the beer dinner at Ivan Ramen, um, beer trivia, beer yoga, and the festival itself will all be on that page, and you can click on there and get tickets. Well, speaking of beer trivia, we have a few <laughs> questions for you. <laughs> and I don't, know, I don't think everyone's seen the questions, so you, I you, ha- seen you have some help. Um, all right, ready? I'm ready. Okay, question number one. How many gallons of beer does the average American consume per year? <laughs> um, I'm going to counter this with another fact that I know. <laughs> That's acceptable. Deflect. So I don't know how the average amount or the, the average quantity of beer that Americans drink every year, but I do know that the average American eats 30 pounds of cheese a year. <laughs> so do you... We can make this like a high-low. Like, Do you think the average American... Drinks oh, more gallons more, of beer? By, by weight, more beer or more cheese Ooh, per year? That's a great question. That's like I a think, deep question for my personal life. Yeah, well. I, I was going to say, I think personally yeah. I eat more cheese actually Same. than I do. I don't know if I can make that conversion. You're How does that work? Show I, Grace. <laughs> I eat more cheese than I drink beer, yeah, I think. <sighs> I don't know. I think yeah, beer is higher. I don't know. How do you convert pounds to gallons? Oh, crap. This isn't... Uh, <laughs> sorry, it's not by weight. More pounds of cheese or more gallons of beer? I don't know. I'll go with more gallons of beer. So greater than 30 gallons greater than of beer 30. per capita. Sure. No. <laughs> <laughs> Incorrect. It's 23 gallons oh. of beer per year. Okay. Wow. But I think it, I think that a gallon a is lot. something like eight pounds. So it's way more by weight. Oh, yeah, my yeah, original yeah. question. So, so I, I kind of got it right. Yeah, I think okay. you're right. I think you got it. <laughs> Half point. 23. <laughs> That's actually like, there are definitely, that, there are people manageable. that drink a lot. There are people that drink a lot of beer. Al- alcoholics? Well, I didn't say that. <laughs> Enthusiasts. <Roberta> <laughs> <laughs> All right, question number two. This is actually our one uh, outlier question. This is a question about beards, not beer. Yes. How long can a beard grow? Are we talking like inches, feet? We're talking. How many, how many, how many person body, lengths? Body lengths. Person lengths. Body lengths. <laughs> how many times the person's height can a beard grow? Uh, if left unchecked. I don't know, like five, five I'm times? I'm thinking of like times. Crystal yeah. Gale. Do you guys remember that singer Three from times. like the 70s? Crystal Gale. She didn't have a beard, but she, she had, had, super long she had hair. crazy like hippie long hair. It was like she had to Ugh. like carry it. <laughs> oh, it was I'm, the country I'm, singer. Yeah. I'm honestly imagining, like, did you guys ever look at the Guinness Book of World Records and you saw those people with, like, the really long nails? That's oh, what I'm thinking of right now. That, yeah, guy, that guy, like just weird like, black and white photos. Oh, we yeah. scared you. I don't like that. This, <laughs> My final answer is four. That's right. You're right. Wait, what? Wait, we're waiting for the... There She's it is. right. <laughs> How <laughs> did you know that? She just knows her beards. Grace has a beards photographic without memory beards. of the Guinness Book of <laughs> Just the nails. The nails burned in my brain. The guy answer? with the world's longest left hand, one hand nails, just cut his nails a few days I ago. It was that. in the news. What? And he put them in the, uh, I think he put it in, in the Museum of Ripley's Believe It or Not. Like he cut them there. It was, oh my goodness. It was gross. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, question number three. Do you know the day that Prohibition ended? Ooh. Do you know the year? I celebrated last year. Like, I drank on this day because it was Do like, you know, like, what season? Okay. It was season? the winter. I think it was winter. Like, it is winter. It was the so winter. It's like June 7th. <laughs> is, is that the winter? Wait, sorry. It was cold. That's <laughs> not the winter. It was the cold winter. Is it January 7th? Uh, no. Uh, it was definitely... It's, okay, I'll tell you the day, and you have to guess the year. It's December 5th. What year did Prohibition end? December 5th, 19... Yeah, definitely 1900s. Nin- <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wow, what a room full 19- of geniuses. 21? 
1918. I believe it started in 1927. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. And then thirty-three. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Is that the right time frame? About maybe it was longer. Started than earlier, like twenty December twenty-one or twenty-two. 21. So what is the actual date again? December fifth, nineteen thirty-three. Okay. Is the day, the day that it ended? So we well, should all plan to definitely like live through the hundred year anniversary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> have yeah. a big party. Oh, That's yeah. something new today. <laughs> all right. Question number four: Which country has the most beer brands? Craft uh, or just beer brands in general? Beer brands in general. I don't have a specific. Ooh, I mean, America has a lot, so I'm going to go with America. The answer I have is Belgium. Okay. But I think also, you might have yeah. a case. I I would say I I would file a grievance with this answer. <laughs> I might say there's um yeah over six thousand craft breweries in the country right now, which is pretty crazy. So, so yeah, brand might be. I don't know how we're defining brand in this question. That's true. That could be. Maybe it's like a certain scale. Yeah. Belgium. It says how. Belgium, isn't Belgium like the size of that Delaware? That can't be the biggest. Yeah. Yeah, it's very small. Yeah. Something um, like that. but great beer coming. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, All right. Last question. This one is a little bit of a weird one, but I like it. <laughs> According to JustFunFacts.com, old <laughs> old Vikings that has like a little bit of, of, of beard connotation. Old Vikings believed that in their heaven called Valhalla, there's a giant goat whose udders provide unlimited supply of beer. <laughs> On that subject, what is it called when a goat gives birth? Isn't it kidding? Yes. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> it's just kidding. <laughs> oh, yeah, because goats, ki- goats, goats babies are, are kids. Yeah. yeah. All right, that's all the trivia. <laughs> wow. Thanks yeah, for you playing guys, along, Grace. You guys stumped me 100%. <laughs> <laughs> all new things I learned. You, you were probably a little more optimistic when we said beer trivia. <laughs> that's a really good question. You didn't know it was going to be that kind of beer trivia. Uh-huh. All right, well, that's our show. Wait, do we have a pun challenge we wanted to do? Oh yeah, let's. Ever, can you give us your best beer puns? Well, <laughs> when I talk about beers without beards, I like to say that what we're doing, we are altering the scales with oh. ales highlighted. <gasps> we are breaking barriers. <laughs> we're crafting conversations. Wow. We're uh, drafting new designs. We are in. Horroring everyone. Wow. And we're fermenting the future. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and what, what's your website again or social media for the festival? Yeah, so if you're interested in, in trying out any of the panels or workshops or beer dinners um, or coming to the festival itself, go to www.hopculture.com backslash beardless. 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 Awesome. Well, Grace White, thank you so much for thank joining us. Thank you guys for having me. On HR and Happy Hour. Uh, we'll see all of you guys at Beers Without Beards. Thank you all. Thanks, David, in the studio, making us sound great. Thank you, Margaret, Jordan, Kat. Can we get played off with Inya? Or is that <laughs> not possible? Do we have to use our theme song? All right. All right. <laughs> next <laughs> time. All right. We will see you next Aggressive. week here on HR and Happy Hour. <laughs> Peace out. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.
HRN Happy Hour is powered by Simplecast. Simplecast is a popular hosting and analytics platform that allows podcasters to easily host and publish to apps like Apple Podcasts. If you have a podcast or are looking to create your very first, check it out. Try it for free and save half off your first three months at simplecast.com forward slash heritage.